0: This episode is brought to you by our great sponsors. Searching for a new job could feel stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles that you don't actually want, and job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. Hired is the world's most intelligent, talent-matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering, development, design, project management, and data science. They make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free by putting you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. You will receive personalized interview requests and upfront salary information to help you choose the best opportunities for you. And the best part, it's always free to find your next job on Hired, no exceptions. They actually pay you and today's listeners can earn double their normal $1,000 hiring bonus by signing up with the show's link. That's right. Earn $2,000 for finding your next chapter on hired. Go to buildpodcast.net slash hired today. Starting a new project, looking for a better hosting platform. Pantheon is an integrated set of tools to build launch and run websites. Get high-performance hosting for WordPress sites, plus a comprehensive toolkit to supercharge your team and help you launch faster. On Pantheon, you get expert support from real developers, best-in-class security, and the most innovative technology to host and manage your websites. Spin up a new site in minutes with a free account. You only pay when you go live. To learn more, go to buildpodcast.net slash Pantheon. That's buildpodcast.net slash P-A-N-T-H-E-O-N. And now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Scott Bollinger of Pressor. Scott, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good, Joe. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. Thanks so much for joining me. So, uh, I'm pretty excited to talk to you today because uh, you, uh, App presser is... Uh, a really interesting product. I've been following it kind of since it launched. So uh, why don't we start off by uh, getting a little bit of information about you uh, and about the product and how you came up with the idea.
1: Sure. So it was, I believe, about three years ago. We uh, attended the WordCamp San Francisco, back when WordCamp US was WordCamp San Francisco. And Matt Mullenweg was talking a lot about WordPress and apps and how he wanted WordPress to become an app platform. And... For me, that sort of, uh, sort of, I was thinking mobile apps. I, I think he was thinking more web apps, but for me, I was thinking like, oh, mobile apps and WordPress, wouldn't that be cool? And I was kind of looking for something new to do at the time, and so I was like, hey, I'm just going to go for it with WordPress and mobile apps. Didn't know how it was going to happen or, or how to do it, but just kind of went for it. And so, you know, partnered up with uh, Brad, Brian, and Lisa from WebDev Studios, and we decided to, you know, go for it. So we we built the product in in a few months and and released it. And since then, we've been through. Let's see, we're now in our third version. So we had we uh, released AppPressor, then we released AppPressor two, which had a lot of great improvements, and then we just recently released AppPresser three, which is basically an entirely new. Uh, platform with a ton of great changes. Awesome,
0: yeah. So, uh, so this was uh, like you said two years ago. I remember that keynote because he was uh, Matt was highlighting like Google Maps, right? That were like powered by uh, custom post types in WordPress and stuff like that. So this was this was like before the REST API was like a twinkle in WordPress's eye, too, right? So yeah, you know, we'll we'll talk about this in a bit. But you, this was a very like forward thinking thing. Uh, on your part. I mean, like, mobile apps weren't new, but the notion of powering mobile apps with WordPress was, was a relatively new idea at the time. At least for for me, it was. Uh, I know, like, at, I was working at the University of Scranton, and we wanted to do a mobile app, and I heard about App Presser and I was like, I know WordPress, so we should do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it it you know mobile app people were doing mobile apps and kind of integrating WordPress in different ways, uh, you know, as for custom projects, but there hadn't really been a product that came out specifically for WordPress and mobile apps, and that really helped us gain a lot of traction early on because it was so different than what other people were doing. You know, it wasn't a new theme company; it was like something new, and so. Um, that really helped us a lot when we launched, just getting a lot of attention and traffic and, you know, helping out our marketing efforts a lot. So, yeah, and, and then getting WordPress pages into a mobile app is not the most straightforward thing. And supporting plugins, you know, like Gravity Forms, it's it, there are different ways to do it. And so at this point, we've kind of figured out the best ways to get WordPress content in. And yeah, like you said, with the, with the REST API, you know, that added a whole new dimension to it. And that was, that didn't come out until AppPress had already been launched. And and then they were just starting to work on the REST API. I think it wasn't even an alpha yet. But um, once it came out, we started working with the REST API when it was an alpha. And there's obviously been a ton of changes since. And when you guys are hearing this podcast it's now in core so and it's uh, most of it is in core it's all the content endpoints and everything so we've really come a long way which is exciting
0: yeah that's that's awesome and the other thing I like is that you've been pretty transparent about the like marketing and and how you're doing which is uh, it's always cool to to see that but first I want to ask you know, when you were building at Presser, you know, like it was the impetus was Matt Mullenweg talking about it at WordCamp San Francisco. But did you do any other any any other research to see like what the competition was or how you would do this? I'm sure you researched that a lot.
1: So, you know, we didn't do as much research as we probably should have. And I just thought it was a really cool idea. And I was I was like, I'm doing this no matter what. Like, I, <laughs> I, you, you know, even if I did research and it said, oh, maybe you shouldn't do this, I probably still would have done it. Uh, which is not the way, not the best way to do things. I think, you know, we obviously looked at some competition, uh, but nobody was really doing specifically what we wanted to do, which was a a product specific to WordPress and mobile apps and integrating custom plugins and themes and things like that. So there wasn't really any competition in that area, but there are tons of app builders, and they supported WordPress one way or another. One thing that I do wish we had looked at uh, was market size. I mean, if you think about... The audience, the, the amount of people that use WordPress. So, say it's twenty-seven percent of the internet now, and then the amount of people out of those twenty-seven percent that need mobile apps is is quite a bit smaller than that twenty-seven percent. So, the the market size of people who need WordPress and mobile apps is actually fairly small, and we've been able to you know dominate this niche. So, it's been done well for us. But I think if, if we had done the research at first, and you were you know uh, a real savvy kind of marketing guy, you might've said, Hey, this market is too small. And so that's definitely something we could have done a lot of the research and just the know-how the, that we've learned over the years has really been through trial and error. It's been through putting out this product and having our customers tell us what they like and don't like about it. And I think it would have been really difficult to figure out the things that we figured out, um, just by kind of serving people or, Doing research. That's not to say that you shouldn't do research. I just think that most of the valuable things that we've learned have been after we actually built the product and people have been using it.
0: That is advice that I've been hearing a lot of. You know, it's basically the minimum viable product generated interest, and then the most valuable research has been from customer feedback. So that's, uh, I'm glad to hear that that's kind of a consistent message, right? Because Sometimes people spend too much time researching to make sure it's perfect when it launches. And then that's, of course, a product that doesn't launch. And then other people just never listen to their customers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm very much the type of the like ready, fire, aim method and uh, maybe to a fault, you know, and so I, I'm very big on just let's build something and get it out there and then we'll refine it as we go. And, you know, a lot of the most successful companies started out as something completely different. You know, Twitter started out as Odeo and like Instagram was, uh, I think they were some type of uh, like full social platform, but they decided to just go with images and, and you know, of course, Facebook was just kind of that college based, like sort of meat market type thing. Yeah. <laughs> But it it does help to do research. You obviously have to know what competition is out there. You have to know your market size. You have to know kind of how you're going to get these people to buy your product. But asking people about something and then having them purchase it and actually use it are two very different things.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, that's such great advice. You know, it's uh, a it's a very loaded question like, oh, would you use this? Yeah, sure. I mean, (laughs) sure i would use it i guess if i needed to but that's not that's not a hard yes by any means
1: yeah and and no there's there is no validation except for people taking out their money and giving it to you for your product so i mean if you have when you're telling people an idea about your product they're gonna say oh of course they're gonna say it's awesome because they're your friends or or just because they haven't put any stake into it if you have a free product and they're using it you know people are gonna like it but there really is no validation until you actually have people pay for it because that's when you really see the separation between what people say and what they do because that that's a bigger separation than most people think when they're first starting out.
0: Yeah, awesome. That's that's such great advice. That's a great takeaway. So, you did a little bit of research and then uh, it's mostly your customer feedback. Are you uh, are you part of like a a mastermind group or anything like that? You know, this the kind of impetus for this show was being in a mastermind or talking to other people in the business and them sharing their advice. So do you get business advice from other, from your peers or anything like that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I I am part of a mastermind group and I actually started it because it was, I I wanted to be a mastermind group too. And I was like, Hey, whose mastermind group can I join? And I I didn't know anybody was inviting me to one. So I just started one and I just invited, you know, some people that I know. And so, yeah, that's been great and definitely learn a lot from that. Learn a lot from my peers doing that. We also did hire a consultant and we we had a couple of calls with the consultant and uh we probably haven't done as much in that area as we should. Um, it would be great if we had some type of mentor for our business. I, I would love to have somebody who's like, you know, years ahead of me in in the product business that I could continue to learn from. I just haven't found anyone like that. I mean, there there are consultants out there that are great, but I don't know. It's just it's a difficult thing for me to to get outside advice and and to get have consultants and things like that. I tend to be kind of hard headed and mm-hmm. and I don't always do the things that they say I should be doing. And I tend I tend to just learn best just by doing stuff and failing at it. And that that has certainly been my best lessons. Although that's not the not the the best way to learn. Yeah.
0: Well, I I can tell you what uh, I just gave a WordCamp talk recently. Well, at the time of this recording. Where I talk about basically that that was Walt Disney's approach to business too. So he would do something, it would fail or like it wouldn't go as well as he thought, and then he would just kind of iterate and do it again, applying the lessons that he learned. So you know, it's it's maybe not the best way for everybody, but it certainly worked for Walt Disney. So
1: yeah, it just takes a really long time to get things right when you do it that way. Yeah, yeah. But I t- I I tend to not be able to learn any other way.
0: Yeah, so. I mean it. It makes sense. Like, and you know, uh, when I was in college, I was starting a business, and everybody, everybody who wanted to say I knew him when came and gave me advice, and most of it was pretty terrible advice. Like, one guy was like, "You got to wear a suit to work every day," and I'm like, "I work from home. Like, I don't even, I don't yeah. even want to wear pants, and you're telling me to wear a suit." Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. that absolutely makes
1: sense. Yeah. Advice is an interesting thing because everybody wants to give you advice. And it's, I I remember talking to Tony Perez about this and he just kind of said, like, you just have to take it all with a grain of salt and basically don't listen to any of it unless the people know you really well and know your business really well. And even then you still might not want to listen to it because nobody knows your business in and out as well as you do. And so they may be like, this has worked for other businesses so you should try this but it doesn't necessarily mean it's right for your business and cuz there are plenty of counterexamples of times where things certain advice that kind of works generally like about pricing or about you know free trials or whatever it is did not work for any certain business and like there's a lot of people out there who say you should build a freemium software you know let people try it for free get an audience and then upgrade but There are many examples, Bear Metrics has a good blog post on that, on why it was terrible for their business. And it almost exploded their servers and killed their support team and almost ruined their business doing you know, doing freemium. So yeah, you just kind of have to take advice with a grain of salt.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I think of it like um, when somebody says, oh man, you know what TV show you would really like is this TV show is what they're really saying is I like this TV show like that, you know. (laughs) That that worked for me. Therefore, it will work for you. So, yeah, that's 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 not I mean, that makes perfect sense. Uh, OK, so we've talked all sorts about uh, about business and things like that. But let's get into, you know, you're a you're a technical guy. You're a great developer. Let's talk about how did you build App presser and, and I know it's gone through a few iterations. Maybe we could talk about how you built Pressor 3 and then, you know, throughout the rest of the show, kind of walk it back to where it came from.
1: Sure. So Appresso 3 is moving to more of a software service model. And we actually built it on WordPress multi-site. So when people sign up, they get a site created and that has everything that they need to build multiple apps. And we're actually using WordPress is a great system for this because an app will be a custom post type, And then all the data about that app is saved as well, it was saved as as post meta, but now it's being saved as options. But essentially, it's uh, just data about that app is kind of saved right there, and then we're we're actually using the theme customizer to uh, to allow people to customize their apps. So it's pretty cool. We actually replace the customizer preview with like an app preview, and it's actually the live app files. And it you can actually click it, and everything works. And then you can change the colors through color pickers, which are uh, very similar to changing theme colors. You can change menus and options and things like that. One of the big changes that we made from previous products that we did is instead of doing everything in the admin area, we're actually doing everything on the front end with, I guess, the exception of the customizer, which is technically the admin. But... What we found is doing everything in the admin was very difficult. It's difficult to customize. It's slow. It's, it's just harder to, to do the things that we wanted to do. So we kind of moved everything to the front end and we're just using a theme and, and, and the customizer to actually help people edit apps and build them and, you know, do different things, send push notifications and all that kind of stuff. And um, really works great. I love multisite for software as service applications because it just has so much stuff already made for you um, as far as user management and you know post types and data and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, yeah, and as far as the the app files themselves, so we we basically have two products now because we have our software as service, like app Builder, and then we also have the apps themselves. Well, actually, we have three, and then we have plugins and integrations for the WordPress site. So there are several different things, and this is a little uh, word of advice: if if people are thinking about getting into software as service, you have to keep in mind that when you have a software as service application, the the actual application itself is an, an separate product from whatever it is you're selling. So um, you know, if you're like Optin Monster, they're selling a, a pop up plugin but they have this software service application that helps people build and configure their public plugin. So now you have all these other issues that come up like you have to deal with server load and onboarding and the actual building process itself and storing data and all this kind of stuff. So it, it becomes quite a bit more complicated in billing and you know cancellations and all that kind of stuff. So software service gets quite a bit more complicated but in our case, it's it's definitely worth it because it's such a great experience for being able to build these apps in, in a centralized dashboard. And then, so the app files themselves, the apps that we build are using the Ionic 2 framework, and that's basically a hybrid mobile app framework. And it's all built in Angular 2 and TypeScript. And the apps are just awesome and really fast. And we connect to the uh, WP REST API to grab some of the content and we use iframes to display other content and we have custom pages that are just like static html that work offline and sort of a mix of all this stuff so that people can build any type of app they want to build
0: man that's that sounds awesome and that that is a big departure from you know i think well so when i was at the university uh we were using i think app Presser one it might have even been in beta at the time and so there's quite an evolution there from, right from from kind of one or the beta to three I remember like we had to download some application files and make modifications that way is that right am I remembering that correctly yes so
1: which yeah which it wasn't yeah it wasn't the best uh you know customer experience and so now all that stuff is contained in our builder so all the app files are compiled you know in the background people don't have to touch those at all
0: nice so it almost sounds like you know if uh if I'm a marketing guy and I just wanna have like a simple app for whatever it is, let's say my my WP in one month, right? That's an online courses thing. It it almost sounds like I could do that in App presser. I wish I asked you this before we started recording because I, I I'm gonna look like a dummy if I'm wrong. It, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> it almost sounds like you don't need to be a developer to get like a simple like content driven app going, is that right?
1: Yeah, so we're definitely making things easier. But at the same time, we like building, you know, fun apps with cool functionality. And so we're not limiting anything. We're kind of just making it easier to put all this stuff together. And so developers can extend the functionality and do lots of custom stuff. It's it's kind of like building a WordPress site. To just throw up a WordPress site with a theme and some simple content is easy. Like anybody should be able to do it, Right. And so that's. It. But then you know, a lot of us have jobs as WordPress professionals who are very savvy developers building crazy stuff. And so that's kind of how I want AppPressor to be. If you if you need something really simple, you can kind of just throw that together yourself. But then there's a lot of features for developers where they can extend and modify and and create lots of great custom features as well.
0: Man, that sounds that sounds awesome. Really excited to to check out three you know as soon as the opportunity arises probably like over christmas or something like that i'll have some downtime yeah cool so uh, of course this came out this is coming out after christmas so man i tried or 3 and it was great uh, um, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> so um cool so we talked about we talked about one a little bit we talked about 3 what it is now what was like the middle portion right cuz you know kind of we're talking about how the the product has gone through uh, a, a transformation and it sounds like there have been a couple of big transformations in the history of apppressor.
1: Yeah. So the, basically the first version of the product was essentially it was your website in the app. so it was an, an iframe displaying your site. And we would do we would basically connect your theme and plugins and everything through JavaScript to the native device features. We we're still just showing your WordPress website. We'd switch out the theme so it looked like an app. We would allow you to click camera buttons and take photos and things like that. So the drawback was we're actually loading up your WordPress site. If you don't have good hosting or if you don't have a good internet connection, it could be slow, you know, loading up the site. And so with version two, we made a lot of improvements on, uh, you know, load times and things like that. And we also added an offline mode. The only thing with the offline mode is that it was kind of a separate experience. It would be like if you loaded up the app offline, you'd be shown separate offline uh, content. So with AppPressor 3, what we've done is basically all of the display files and everything are embedded on the device so that it loads really, really quickly. And then if there's any WordPress content, then we only go get the content and display that in the content area. And that's it. That way, you're not waiting for a super long time for the pages to load or for the um, app to load itself. And we've also made it so that you can have offline and online pages, you know, right next to each other. There's not any separate experience. It's all very seamless. And um, there's a lot of, you know, just it works the way that you think it should work. You know, if it's offline, it displays a little message. Some of the pages work, some of them don't. And that's kind of up to the way you build it. But it's it's just very kind of seamless now, and so it's a it's a much better experience. We also we were not using the API for anything before, and the API has a lot of advantages for displaying content. And so we're excited to use that now that it's you know officially released. So you know one of the interesting things is we were using the WP API when it was in alpha, and we actually uh, built a product called Reactor on WP API version one. And we were building that product while the WAPI was in alpha. And now it's in version two, and it's changed a ton. Um, We also built that on Ionic one. And then Angular two came out, Ionic two came out all this kind of stuff. And so we ended up building out three on like WAPI two, Ionic two, Angular two, you know, made a lot of huge improvements uh, in the build process, admin area and everything. So it's kind of cool because we started building with this stuff when it first came out, but it has changed so much that we essentially had to build a completely new product to utilize all the new stuff and and all the new stuff is so much better. So I'm just really excited about having this be the platform that we can move forward on.
0: That's awesome. And I'm I'm glad that you started to mention all of these different frameworks and libraries and things because, um, you know, that's, uh, a, a lot of developers listen to this show. I know that, um, the, with the WordPress uh, REST API and, and Matt encouraging us to learn JavaScript deeply, there's a lot to choose from, right? So I guess Ionic is based on Angular. Is it's, it so
1: it's Angular 2, two yeah. Okay. Uh, Ionic 2 is, is Angular 2, TypeScript, ES6. It's all of the modern. Mm-hmm.
0: Languages. Which is, and Angular 2 is like super different from Angular 1. Is that right?
1: Yes. Okay. It is completely night and day. To me at least.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. So when you made the decision to use Ionic, was that, you know, what was that based on? Was that just like that was a prominent framework at the time? I think this is before React
1: came out, maybe? Yeah. So yeah, yeah when I when Ionic 1 first came out, it, this that was before React. And they were they built it on Angular. And so I, I learned that framework inside and out. It, it's just it's the gold standard of hybrid mobile app frameworks. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, kind of an unfair comparison is like uh, Twitter Bootstrap. It's kind of like that, but for apps, except way better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So so it makes it really easy to put apps together. They have all the UI components. They have a lot of great functionality that, that you need to build an app. And so uh, it, it really just works great. So when they came out with version 2, I was like, I, you know, we're on board with that. It has a lot of huge improvements. And so I had to basically learn Angular all over again, but in version two, and, you know, to use Ionic. So, you know, I I like React. I just don't use it very much. I I decided to go with Angular 2 because the Ionic framework is is built on it. But the two languages are are very similar. They do very similar things. They're just different.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it's like choosing, you know, I guess, you know, chocolate or vanilla ice cream. It's whatever your preference is.
1: Yeah. Whatever's right for your project. Yeah.
0: So, Cool, that's great. I'm gonna link to all of those things that you just named in the show notes, uh, so that people can check them out. I know I, I learned Angular one, and I really liked it. And then uh, I was encouraged to learn React, so I'm learning React. Yeah, and I, but I mean, it really is. It, you know, it's you could you could connect to like the REST API with vanilla JavaScript if you want. It's just, yep. You know, you're you're pick your poison, I guess. So
1: yeah,
0: cool. So okay, so uh, at the time of this recording, AppPressor three. Uh, just came out and that's like a pretty major transformation so you know is is there anything big on your roadmap for the for the near future or you know any like long-term blue sky goals that y- you have
1: uh, so for the near term we're just gonna be you know fixing bugs and adding features to aperture 3 and, and getting it making sure everything works great and that everything's in there that people want in there for the longer term goals, I do have kind of a vision of people being able to build apps even if they don't have a WordPress site. So like we could allow people to create content through their app builder and like if they just wanted to create some, say they're a church and they wanted to add in an event or they wanted to add in a sermon or, you know, if they're if, if it's a conference app and they wanted to add it the schedule and some speakers and sponsors and things and display that in the app, they'll be able to do that through our app dashboard. So uh, and that way, they don't have to have, use WordPress. They don't have to have a website at all. They can just go build an app. So that's definitely one of my longer-term goals.
0: That's that's awesome, and I know that'll be super useful. You know, it's I I was just at WordCamp Baltimore, and uh, I kept going to the website, and I'm like, you know, having an app like a WordCamp app would be pretty neat. I think there's like WP Armchair is is.
1: That's not, yeah, that's, they don't have an app for it anymore, but I think they might have a website still.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, So,
1: yeah. Nice. Yeah, we've actually talked with uh, the foundation a little bit about that, and they just, uh, they're not ready to pull the trigger on it quite yet, Mm -hmm. but I definitely think it would be cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if, you know, you're, you know, there are like WordCamp warriors, you know, who go to one like every week or every few weeks, and so having an app to keep all that stuff straight and like the sessions you want to see is, would be pretty neat yep if anybody needs a a big idea, then <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> make sure
0: to use Pressor yep. for that. Yep. <laughs> cool. So I'm actually really excited to ask this last question because I, like I said, you've been like really transparent with a lot of things and and your learning process. So you know, do you have any trade secrets for us?
1: <laughs> you know, I was I was looking at this question, man. I was trying to think of something clever to say <laughs> uh, or. So, I just I don't have anything I don't have any secrets I I think that the the biggest thing that I can say is just keep doing stuff I I think a lot of people get hung up on like I don't have time or I don't have a good idea or my idea is not perfect enough or whatever it is keep building stuff and putting stuff out there and that's really how you learn not by reading books and, and going to conferences that stuff is great the researching that stuff is great but really the way you're going to learn is is by building stuff and putting it out there and charging for it and and seeing what happens and i would say the, the biggest thing is just don't don't ever put all your eggs in one basket don't be like man i have to build this behemoth software that's going to take me a year to build and then if that fails like i'm just never going to do anything again take like a couple months and build something small and and charge for it and and see what happens. And then if it fails, then move on to the next thing. do it do it in a couple more months, build something else, and you know n- not saying abandon all of your projects immediately, but that that was one problem that I had when I my first company that I started, I thought that was going to be the the only company I'd had to have for the rest of my life. And you know that's just not the way that it works in tech. Like things move really quickly, and um, there's always something next. Everything is a stepping stone. So that was a really long-winded way of saying I don't have anything, any secrets.
0: (laughs) Man. Well, that might not be a secret, but that's, I mean, that's great advice. Chris Lama gave very similar advice back in episode 12 and, you know, work on a few things, you know, have, I mean, he put it in the, in the, he put it in, in the terms of have multiple streams of income, but uh, you know, work on a small, work on a couple of small projects, you know, iterate quickly, see what works and what doesn't. But, you know expecting success from the one big thing that you're working on will likely lead to disappointment especially like the first time you know i've mm-hmm. I, i've been in the field for like 14 years and i've launched many like half pro you know half products or whatever but only a couple mm-hmm. of them have have worked out really well for me and and you keep iterating so Uh, Yeah, and and
1: never take a year to build something like that. To me, that's just ridiculous. You know, scale back the features until it's something you can actually accomplish and get out in three months. And then after it's out, get feedback from your customers, build the stuff that they want to build, because it may be totally different than what you were actually going to build. Because if you just build something with your head in the sand for a year, and you put it out there, most likely, ninety percent of the stuff you built, nobody's going to use or like, anyways. Mm. They're just going to be like this one little feature that you didn't even think was cool. That's going to be like the main thing, and you know that's what happened <laughs> with. Um, I think that's what happened with like Instagram or Twitter. What they they just kind of built, you know, this big thing, and then they found out their customers just like this one little feature. So then they pivoted and they just built their application around that one feature.
0: That's all. Yeah. That uh, yeah, and. And then you're not as, inve- you know, you're not as emotionally invested. You know, if I spend a year working on something, if it fails, I'm going to be devastated. But a couple of, you know, a couple of months is a couple of months. So that's, th- yeah, that's some really great advice. And I know it's like counter to, uh, you know, we're, we're bumping up against time here, but I want to make this one point because I have like this weird vendetta against b- the base camp people. Like I, I recognize <laughs> that they do great work, but. They're always very like, just do what you want, and other people will buy it. And I'm like, that's what you guys did, and it worked for you guys, but that's like not great business advice. It's like always say no to your customers, like the yeah. <laughs> so.
1: No, yeah, the, I mean, there's there's some truth to that, but it certainly doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, if you're if you're like a you know a Python developer and you just need some little tool to help you in your Python workflow and you build that like. Nobody's going to buy it because there's no market for that. But yeah, there, there is. I do like, however, I do like the idea of dog dogfooding your product. So build something that you're actually going to use for yourself, even if that's not the impetus behind building it. It's really important because that'll help you make it better and better and better. Like Easy Digital Downloads is a good example of this. They actually use that to sell their own stuff on their own site. So anytime they encounter a bug or, or any improvement they make is helping them out. So that's helping their customers out. And I love that whole, I think it works really well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what I said, I don't want to, I don't want what I just said to get misconstrued or anything because most of my guests here have been s- scratching their own itch, right? Yeah. But, you know, if you, you scratch your own itch, itch, you launch and then, you know, take the advice that you gave at the beginning of the show, which is hear your customers and, and you know, do ask them what they like, you know, that's the best research that you can, you can get, especially if you're a- appealing to a mass market. So, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, we are at time. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a great conversation. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about a new book I wrote with my good friend, Matt Medeiros of The Matt Report, called The Podcast Starter Kit. It's a QA-style book that tells you exactly what you need to get up and running with your own podcast. I've had lots of fun over the last several months with how I built it, and I wanna share what I've learned with anybody looking to start their own podcast. In the book, Matt and I try our hand at answering 23 questions that you need to ask yourself before you get up and running. We also include several resources, our favorite equipment, and a checklist at the end. Head over to thepodcastbook.com to check it out. It's only $24, and it'll save you hours of time researching the right tools, Where to upload your podcast, how to run a good interview, and a lot more. That's thepodcastbook.com. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to our great guests and fantastic sponsors. If you liked the show, please rate it and subscribe on iTunes, in Google Play, or whatever your podcast app of choice is. If you have any questions, be sure to reach out at howibuilt.it. And finally, until next week, get out there and build something.